What's up, family? This is JJ, and this is the Mini Mansode Fridays. Let's go. Guys, I'm so excited to be talking to you guys today. Today is going to be pretty interesting because we're, we're going to do a two-part series, and I went back and forth on the name about this. It was originally going to be, Are You Ready to Date? my brother, but I think I might take the little bit more practical sermon title, which is, hey, here are four signs that you are not ready to date, okay? And I'm sorry, but if you don't go four for four on here, like, I don't want to say it's impossible. I would just say I highly, highly advise you to not date right now, at least in this season. That's what I would say. I would just say, hey, I love you. And as somebody who loves you from a distance, who's seen a lot of relationships and worked with a lot of men, if you don't pass these four, quote, tests, then I would just say it's not a good idea for you to date right now, okay? And then we'll go into why. So I'm super excited about this episode. I wish I would have had my hands on this because of what I did and how I went about dating. But before we jump in, we're just going to go ahead and do some housekeeping items. School of dating, guys, we didn't get the chance to promote it. (laughs) Really, it's sold out in the general public. I think it's sold out in like 12 hours. The wait list is about 450 people. So if you did not get in on this session, no worries. Go ahead and text waitlist to 214 225 7772. That's a wait list to 214 225 7772. And I just want to say that is super, super exciting for us. We can't wait. We're already praying over each individual student, and we're just so excited for the school dating session three. Let's go. So, season 10, speaking of podcasts and great feedback, we have gotten the best feedback we have ever, ever received on this series, uh, the season 10 about sex. So we opened up with a great episode. Um, Kate and I talked about our story again, you know, it kind of had that shock factor, like, oh, they're talking about sex on their wedding night. And it couldn't be further from just about sex on our wedding night. It talked about everything leading up to engagement and the marriage and the wedding night, it talked about that foundation of sex and how just healing that story was for Kate and myself. It just talked about the expectations going into the night and what an awesome way because guess what? This week, if you guys haven't listened, we had a wonderful, wonderful episode with Nika and Emeka who just sort of turns out, you know, 10 years ago, Nika and Kate are best friends. And they had an amazing story to share. And we're not just talking about all sunshine and rainbows. We're talking about all the healing going into that night. Everything that had been done from a story of just lots of brokenness and pain and abuse. It was just so amazing to have that honor to talk to them. And, you know, fun fact, like they did not have a great honeymoon. Like we're talking about first day of the honeymoon stuff went down. Like it was hard. It was not romantic and adventure and bliss and sunshine and rainbows and sex every day. It was not. So what I love about these episodes is they're super transparent in the sense of like, we are not here to give a Disney narrative of what sex on the wedding night always looks like. 
Like we're really not. And the irony of that is Disney always ends the movie when as they run off into the sunset. Fun fact, they never share. <laughs> they never shared the day after the sunset, right? They never share two years after that sunset, right? It's like you get a happy picture, an idea that perfection exists in relationships and they're happily ever after. And fun fact, it just does not exist, okay? That would not sell very well, okay? So that's why I'm loving this this season specifically. It's just kind of pu- pulling back the curtain and just kind of talking about the the chaos, the messiness, and how there's still even hope and redemption in that. So what I'm loving, uh, just to transition before we jump in the episode, you know, two quick things. I would just say this. JP Pakluda, a great friend, just released, Why Do I Do What I Don't Want to Do? And it's so good from the first chapter. Family, listen to me. From the first chapter. It's so foundational to the life of a Christian. Even Paul talks about this notion, right? Why do I do what I don't want to do? This mystery of living with sanctification, which is what we say now and not yet. I'm sanctified and not yet fully sanctified. And why do I, with this thorn in my flesh, still do things that I don't want to do? It's so, so rich. I'm going to keep updating you guys as we go along here because it's been so fun to go through this book. We, the second thing is this, we're moving this Saturday. So in case you didn't know, Kate and I, when we got married, we moved into a 600 square foot apartment with two dogs and we both work about three feet from each other. And it's probably something that (laughs) I would not advise for newlyweds, but a lot of times as newlyweds, you don't really have a choice, right? You kind of just have to financially bite the bullet because you just spent all your money (laughs) on a wedding and a honeymoon. So it's one of those things that I look back with fondness already and every couple I talk to, it's the same thing, right? They all look back at the roots and beginning. And I just want to, you know, encourage you guys. My thought was this. You'll always look back at the hardest moments in life with a pain of, you know, that was tough. And there's also that, I don't want to say sweetness, but like, man, that was, it was hard, but I learned a lot. It was hard, but I grew a lot. And so if you're in that hard season, that challenging place right now, I just that eternal perspective, that long-term perspective, what you're going through right now is so temporary. Even if you don't know the end date, it is temporary. And you're not going to be like that for forever, especially in this life. And the second Francis Chan style, the second you just zoom out from a long-term perspective, an eternal perspective, it just makes these temporal challenges so much easier to navigate. You know, they, they are just so minuscule in the long-term run. So I hope that challenges you. And then the second part of that is, listen, specifically for the dudes listening here, hey, congratulations, this was an eight-minute intro. I know we're going on for forever. But listen, if you're a dude right here listening, my thing is like church community, one of the best parts of it is if you have a culture of servant leaders, my fondest memories in Seattle of our amazing community there was we literally had people getting up at four o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning, 10, 11 p.m. at night to go take people to the airport, you know, 40 minutes outside of town. We had an army of servant leaders, of movers who really about once a month, 10 o'clock on Saturdays, what were we doing? We were out helping people move. 
we would have a girl in our community moving an apartment and we'd literally have 15 people there, like an armada of servant leaders. And we'd crush that move. We would get it done in like two hours. It was one of my favorite ways to show up for other believers, airport rides, helping them move, helping them out financially if they were in a pinch. Like if you're not in that community, don't just say, I'm going to go find one. What would it look like to be that person who starts to maybe try and change culture and set the tone? And whenever you like, you have your listening ears out for people with challenges or problems in a way that you can serve. Isn't that amazing thought? Like you can be that culture of change and Listen, I'm telling you, there is nothing more amazing than just having a hundred people who are all down to serve in whatever way they could. It, it is like the hallmark of a healthy young adult Christian community, a bunch of servant leaders running around saying, how can I serve you? How can I help? I loved it. So sweet. So today's episode, by the way, <laughs> 10 minute intro, not sure if I've ever done that before. You can obviously tell I'm getting a little bit more <laughs> comfortable with these introductions. So I will try my best to keep these on task. Okay. But here is the episode today. Here's the background. Are you ready? So one of the most common questions we get is, and you can, you can just say this is an extended in my DM segment, because this is really what it comes down to. You ready? It's how do I know if I'm ready to date, right? You might be in close singleness. You might be in open singleness and dating right now. You might be in a relationship right now listening to this. And this is still for you. This is for all categories above. And you know what I like about this episode is Riley Sewell does some great content on open and closed singleness and listening from God about whether or not you should date. And to that, I say, absolutely. That's kind of like the North Star, the peace of God to go out and date. But sometimes, like, you know, as we talked about, I'm going to read out some verses in the Bible about dating. You ready? Okay, here we go. (laughs) Not many verses about dating. So that's where we have to have a ton of practical wisdom, practical wisdom from people who are older than us and wiser than us and can teach. And they've seen a lot of dating stories because we're about to jump in this wild arena of dating. And what I would just say here, like to preface the episode, I'm going to be super blunt today. If you're not four for four on what I'm about to say, then I'm sorry. But I just, I personally, for the advice that you did not ask for, I don't think you're ready to date. And I say this out of two places. One, you know, and just as a a pre-word, you can do whatever you want. But if you're listening to this episode and you're seeking wisdom, if you don't go four for four here, then I'm sorry, you're just not ready to date. And I don't say that with any authority, like I'm your mentor. I just say it as a friend who's seen a lot of messy things. Okay. And I say it out of this. I say it out of a love for you and a love for the people that you're going to interact with in dating. Because if you go out into the world of dating and you're not truly ready to date, you're going to set yourself up for failure in every sense. You can't simultaneously heal, pursue Jesus and sanctification, become whole while also dating, right? Singleness 
is the time to pursue Jesus, discover your mission, build financial security, heal from your childhood, heal from their teenage years, heal from your divorce, not date. Singleness is that time. And once you feel like over a long amount of time, you and what we're going through today, you and Jesus are tight. That foundation is rock solid. You are on fire pursuing your mission. You have your financial security. You've been through therapy. You have wonderful counsel, wonderful fellowship. That sounds like a great time to date. And secondly, not only are you going to set yourself up from failure, because here's what I would just say as like if you zoomed out from yourself, you're going to cause a lot of damage to people who you consider friends. You're going to cause a lot of damage to people in your Christian community. And this is for my dudes. Like, I hope you know, I'm speaking as someone who did this. Okay. I'm not saying I'm like looking at you. I got blood on my hands. Okay. And here's, here's what I would say to JJ. Hey, JJ, if you're dating like a fool and you're ghosting and you're making out with girls, like look at the wake of your dating life. And are you leaving every girl that you come across better than you found her? And what I mean by that, literally, you guys, this could be its own episode by itself. Fellas, when you finish with her, whether it's one date, talking, 10 dates, here you go. Is she more confident in her walk with Christ because you just encouraged her so well and her gifts and her calling and her faithfulness? Did you just encourage her that after you are gone, she is so confident. She just desires Jesus that much more. In the wake of your dating life, after she dates you, no matter how much time, Is she more confident that great Christian brothers in Christ do exist because of how much you honored her? Or is she more pissed off that she just ran into another Christian dude who is all talk, right? After you date her and after you're gone, is she challenged in the way that she dates because of how respectful you were of her boundaries, how you listened to her so well. Did you set a new bar for men in her life? And I mean like not a, a new low bar, like a new higher bar that after she dates you, it's dang. I know what a great man looks like and I'm not gonna settle for anything else. Is she surprised after you date her about how clear and how kind you were when you communicated? that you were not interested in her, but still affirmed her and still thought the world of her. Here's my question in this episode. What are you leaving in the wake of your dating life? What is in the wake? Is it confusion? Is it chaos? Is it heartbreak? Is it despair? Some of those things you can control, some of those you can't. But I guarantee you, if you're dating well and what we're talking about today, I promise For the majority of the women left in your wake, they can speak and you are above reproach. That's the goal, living above reproach, including your dating life. So this is part one of the episode. We're going to go through two things today and two things in the next episode. So here's what you need to know. If you're a single guy and you are dating, you're in closed dating, you're thinking about dating, you're in a relationship. Number one, do you have peace about your life? Like 
in totality, do you have peace about your past relationships? Do you have peace and security about who you are, your identity in Christ, right? Here's some great examples. Can you speak about your exes? When you talk about that ex, right, do you speak about her gracefully and kindly, right? Do you speak about her in an honoring way? Can you look back? More importantly, are you ready? Can you look backwards and own your mistakes, isn't that a hard one, especially in dating where we're just so obsessed with putting our best foot forward? We can't talk about anything negative, right? Can you live in the present, the here and now, with the wisdom and the learning in your past and speak about it fully, fully, fully transparently? Let me give you a good example. Four years ago, I changed jobs from Amazon, okay? And what you guys don't know and what I've not told probably about 99% of the people, this is the first time I'm ever talking about this out loud with more than just like two people. I was so, so insecure. And what I could never let people know was this. I was actually let go. And I was not quote-unquote good enough to make it at Amazon. Obviously, it's an amazing company and it's some really, really intelligent, brilliant people working there who are very smart and work a lot of hours. But I wasn't quote-unquote good enough to their standard. And for the longest time, you know, recently, I was so insecure and ashamed when it came to that conversation. What did it look like whenever I talked about it? I wasn't fired. I left. (laughs) And in relationships, isn't it so funny? Hey, what do we say about that breakup? Hey, I, she didn't break up with me. I left her. I broke up with her. And the funniest part is nobody's going to go back and double check that. That's just a little thing, right? And, you know, when we lead with that transparency and honesty, it just speaks levels to your character. It speaks levels and reveals the the character you have and the amount of ownership you take. So listen, when you're out dating and for the girls listening to this and the guys listening to this, when you hear somebody talk about their past, the more transparent they are and, you know, in the responsible sense, and they can say, hey, you know what, I actually I actually had this dating relationship and you're going to know each other. And you say, and I, uh, she broke up with me, actually, and here's why. And that was a couple of years ago. And it was a really great wake-up call for me. I really had to realize, you know, if I'm talking about Amazon, I had some great things that I did well. And ultimately, I had some things that I needed to work on, you know, and I, I wasn't quite cut out for it. I think if you hear that, you know, especially we talk about peace with your past relationships and the peace with the trauma. You know, Kate gets in here all the time and she just challenges me because she talks about, she can talk about her abuse, right? And she can talk about the trauma and she's at peace with her past. And that's a huge indicator, men, like, you know, what happened with my dad and a lot of Christians. And if you've seen the Jesus revolution, it's yes, we are a new creation in Christ. And the best way to view this analogy is if you were in prison, you were there for 25 years, rough, rough, rough sentence, rough, rough things happening inside. 
The day you accept Jesus, guess what? You're out of the prison. It's amazing. It's a free gift, literally a get out of jail free card. But just because you left that prison instantly that one day, the scars, the trauma, the existence, the history in the prison is still with you. You're not a new creation in Christ in the sense of, you know, like you're still a prisoner. No, you're free. You're free. You're a new creation. You're a new person. But the wounds of the past are still wounds of the past. That's why it's so important for us to be at peace with the past. Now, if there's traumatic things, no matter how small, if I see one thing with men, we love to minimize. We just love, love, love to minimize because we're maybe scared to criticize our family, our parents. It's okay. If you're listening to this and you're a man, it's totally okay to admit we grew up in a broken world and you experienced trauma of some sort. And I think for me, I was definitely in that boat. Like I, I'm like, I've heard some crazy stories. My trauma is not as near as bad as that. But here's the reality. Why, if you're listening to this, why is it when I ask you to remember those little traumatic moments of childhood and teenage years, can you think of the most minuscule sometimes examples and they still stick with you? You know, the time that you were forgotten, the time your parents criticized you and said something too sharply. Like, why can you still remember it 20 years later, 30 years later, right? It obviously stuck with you. And that's the kind of little trauma that we never connect. It's the little trauma. Listen, here's a great example. I was a missionary kid. I grew up with a a thick French accent and... (laughs) You know, I had to go to speech therapy for five years in elementary school. I hated it. Oh, I hated it. I would miss recess. It was so embarrassing. I got made fun of all the time. And here's the here's the problem. I was so frustrated and angry when people didn't understand the words that were coming out of my mouth. If I had to repeat myself twice or three times because people didn't understand me, I would get so angry. I would get so mad. And fast forward, guys, this is how it works. Fast forward 15, 20 years later, and guess what? When my wife, who in the other room doesn't hear me yelling across, asked me to repeat myself once, twice, and I feel myself all of a sudden getting boiling angry and mad because she can't understand me, That there you go. That's the peace with the past and the healing with the past. So if you're not there, if you if you if I say, "Hey, I need you to take inventory right now." And just I know you might have been to therapy once or twice, I know you might have gone to inner healing once or twice, but if I had to ask you to take inventory of your soul in those moments and ask you if you've truly healed from them and your answer is no, if I've asked you, you know, from your past relationships, if you're truly over it, And not just over it, like I don't think about it, but over it, like I have peace and I recognize where I messed up and I learn from it and I don't blame them anymore, right? And I, and more importantly, I've forgiven them of maybe where they've wronged me. Truly, I didn't forgive them the first time, the third time, but after forgiving them about 50 times, 70 times, and I had a couple awesome breakthroughs that, yeah, I finally feel like I've forgiven them. And one of the litmus tests for forgiveness is, can you love them freely? And if they come back to you, what is popping up for you? Is it compassion? And if it's not, then you haven't fully forgiven them. 
You see, there's freedom in forgiveness, freedom to love and freedom to receive love. And so that's number one. Do you have peace about your past relationships? Do you have peace about where you're at with Jesus and about your future and about your identity? Because any incompleteness there is just going to be exposed. It's going to be, that is going to be the area that in dating, I'm telling you, dating and relationships is the worst place to go. The volatility and the unknown of dating is one of the worst places to go with open wounds because it's just inviting inviting the enemy to offend you, to bring pain, to bring confusion, to bring more sadness. Do not go out into dating unless like you are ready, 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 ready. Like you got a firm foundation to stand on, okay? Number two, I know that was long, but I just, I, I felt like there's some dudes who need to hear this, you know? And number two, this is one of the bigger ones. If you cannot go out into dating, men, and you cannot be a clear and honest communicator, then you're not ready to date. Please, like on behalf of yourself, behalf of, you know, the women, just don't date until you are fully committed to being a clear an honest communicator about a few things. Are you ready? Number one, if look, this is, I'm setting the bar really high and I know this because I had to go, I had to walk through this. You ready? If you can't ask somebody out in person on a date, then you're not ready to date. I know, I know it sucks. You know, sometimes it's unavoidable, you know, and you have to compromise for FaceTime. But if they're in local community and you do see them and you can't do this, you know, you're wrapping up conversation and you ask her, hey, can I can I ask you something in private for a second? It will just be quick. And they say, okay, uh, sure. And then you look at them in the eyes and you just say, hey, you know, I just, I really appreciate how kind and genuine you are. You know, when you speak up in the community group, I just think that you're just full of wisdom and I really admire that about you. And uh, I know you're single and I'm single. And I would just love to take you out on a date sometime. Would you be interested in that? And, and just to clarify, like, you don't have to let me know right now. I don't want to put you on the spot. So just maybe hit me up later with your answer. And, and either way, I promise I won't make it weird, okay? Yeah, that's my promise, my guarantee. Just let me know. Guys, <laughs> if you can't do that, if you can't ask out in person... I'm just like, this is the litmus test because here's here's what it is. You ready? If you're 20 to 35 years old, we this never existed for us. We have had the most passive, easiest mode of communication to ever exist in human history. We can text. We can DM. Like, it is so, so easy for a passive man including myself, to ask a girl out through texting, okay, or through a DM. Like, it has never been more easy and the bar has never been lower to ask out a girl. The problem is, is it trains us to have hard, risky conversations in the safest way for us. And I totally understand why, because I did the same thing. However, like, we have got, got, got to raise the bar and be able to ask out a girl in person. We got to be able to have the courage. And we also have to be able to have the security that if she says no, a world doesn't come crashing down. I get being disappointment, 
But if like that no and rejection causes your world to come crashing down, you have way too much identity and external factors in this world. And dating is going to be the worst place for you to be if your identity is completely hanging right, your, your, your confidence completely hangs in somebody else's hands, you're going to get torn up with good reason, right? And so can you ask out somebody in person with your words from your mouth? Okay, FaceTime is like second best option. But other than that, like, I would just challenge you, like, try to ask out in person. And I know it's risky. I, I did both, okay? I know how it goes. Number two, right? Clear and honest communicator. And even more important, ooh, don't get me aimed up, fellas. Can you be honest and clear about boundaries? Can you be honest and clear? Are you leaving the boundaries discussion to be ambiguous and gray so you can get some kiss and so you can get some makeouts in, right? Are you kind of just putting it on the fence? And more importantly than that, when you do communicate them, are you going to follow up? <laughs> are you going to communicate boundaries and follow up? Okay. I think regardless of how this is done, because here's the reality. Some guys are going to be a little bit more weird and awkward and straightforward with the boundary conversation. And some might be a little bit smoother. Okay. The point though, is not how it's done. It's that it is done and it's backed up. If you're going into dating and you are not talking about boundaries, my only question is why? What, like, what, what is holding you back from that conversation? Are you willingly not talking about them so you can get away with something? Are you not talking about them because you know you're just going to fail, right? Like you have a history of just failing, failing, failing in boundaries, right? And you have an issue. And, you know, the litmus test here is really, do you follow up on your words and commitment? Are you a man of your word when it comes to following up on the boundaries that you discuss, and I'm saying this as a guy who discussed boundaries and then broke them. Okay, so I know how this game goes. And we're going to talk about the best way to defeat that. We have a great, great, great episode on boundaries and pace. It's one of our best ones ever from a year ago. But we'll talk about that. And I think point number three or four. And so the last part of being a clear and honest communicator, and finally, this is the most important one, along with asking out in person and the boundaries, the clear and honest communicator, men, listen, this is what we're wrapping up on. If we're being honest, 80% of your dates, if you go on 10 dates with 10 women, 80% of them are not going to lead to a second date. Okay, that's just, that's just the facts. If we're being generous, you know, half of those girls you're not going to be interested in like you're going to be the one saying I'm good like I I did one date I did two dates I'm good men listen if you cannot be clear and honest about when you are not interested you're not ready to date if you can't be clear and honest when you are not interested in moving forward you're not ready to date. This should be the holy grail gold standard litmus test about dating. Can you go on a date, three dates, talking, five dates, 10, and end it by not ghosting her and even having a phone call 
full of grace, full of kindness, full of love, and end that. And see her the next week, and it'd be okay. If you can't do that, then you're not ready to date. If you are still ghosting, right, if you're still texting to break up, I hate to be like that picky and this specific, but I know how it goes. If you can't have a face-to-face or a phone call conversation, I know you're not obligated to it, but if you can't do it and you're avoiding it, then you're not ready to date. So I'm not going to lie. It's hard for me to get up here and give such prescriptive dating advice, but sometimes we just got to get to those nitty gritty things and use them. And men, if you can't do those first two things, it's bigger than you. That's why I can say this with, you know, any kind of passion and any kind of like, you know, weight. It's because I care about you a lot and I care about your community and the church even more. And when we participate in dating as men, you know, and we're supposed to be leading and we're not leading well, well, guess what? We're just causing more damage. We're causing more calamity on ourselves and in the body. So I hope that was a helpful episode. I like to lead with a lot more compassion, (laughs) but we got to be honest with ourselves, men. If we're going to go out and date, we got to adhere to a standard that's above reproach because we're going to be held accountable for it and it's not doing anybody any favor. So part two coming next week. I love you guys. I hope this was good. I hope it was challenging and I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. I love you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.